You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Thursday, May 27th, and boy do we have a lot to get to today. It was really an incredibly quiet week and a half in terms of Gonzaga basketball, and then on Wednesday, it seemed like news was flying left and right all day. So we're going to catch you up on everything that happened on Wednesday. Gonzaga baseball also starts their three-game series tonight with San Diego. The WCC title is on the line. San Diego's tournament hopes are on the line. Gonzaga's hopes to uh, host a regional in the NCAA tournament also on the line. So we're going to preview all of that with Greg Talbot today on the program. And of course, we are going to finish the show with the 10th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. But we start today breaking down all of the basketball news that came out yesterday. And let's start with the big man, Drew Timmy. Big Man on Campus is returning to Spokane next season. Most people, I think, assumed that this would be the case, but I think a lot of us figured that he would at least test the NBA waters and get some feedback from NBA people, but that's not the case. Timmy announced on Wednesday that he is coming back for his junior year without entering the draft. This past season, he won the Carl Malone Award for Best Power Forward in the country after averaging 19 points and 7 rebounds a game. He's likely going to be the preseason favorite for National Player of the Year. And then he and Chet Holmgren, they are going to form one of the most lethal front courts in America. And if Drew Timmy develops a jump shot and his lateral quickness on defense improves from what it was last season, it's kind of hard to find many weaknesses on paper with this team going into next season. So the Drew Timmy news is finally official. He is returning to Spokane for his junior season. We turn our attention now to all of the scheduling news that came out on Wednesday, and boy, oh boy, was there a whole bunch of it. Let's start with the Texas game. They were supposed to play in Austin this past season at the start of a home-and-home series. Of course, the coronavirus canceled that game and pushed it back a year. And now they're not going to play in Texas first. They're going to play in Spokane first. So that means uh, with the Texas game now at home, there are no true road games on the schedule, at least so far, for the 21-22 non-conference regular season. Everything is either a home game or it is a neutral site game. And that includes the battle in Seattle, which is now going to be, as I mentioned a couple days ago, it is going to be Alabama. Alabama and Gonzaga are going to play in Seattle in the, um, I guess they're going to call it battle in Seattle. They may not call it battle in Seattle. Either way, they're playing it in Seattle December 4th against Alabama and a return game will happen in Birmingham uh, next season. So, with all that said, they are going to play Washington at home, Texas at home, Alabama in Seattle, Duke on a neutral court, Texas Tech on a neutral court, a few bye games, and then the big news that came out late on Wednesday is that they may end up facing UCLA after all. UCLA head coach Mick Cronin said on a podcast a few weeks back that they're trying to schedule Gonzaga, and then it came out that they're not going to be able to fit the game in because the dates didn't line up, and now UCLA is backing out of the Legends Classic tournament that they were supposed to be in, then Providence is taking their spot. So now UCLA has some free dates, and they're going to work on 
getting that game back with Gonzaga. The interesting thing is that Providence is the one who took UCLA's spot in that Legends Classic, but Providence was supposed to be in the Empire Classic, which is the tournament that Gonzaga's in, in Newark. So I would imagine a different team is going to replace Providence in Gonzaga's multi-team event that takes place on November 18th and 19th. Right now, it's Louisville, Oklahoma State, Gonzaga, and I assume a fourth team to be announced because you're not allowed to play in multiple multi-team events. So Providence, I assume, is going to be out. They're going to get a different fourth team in there. And so if that is another uh, you know, high major program, then Gonzaga is going to get another really good game in there. And then if they can get UCLA as well, then that is going to be a minimum of three top 10 to top 15 teams, uh, maybe even four, depending on where Texas and Texas Tech start in the um, the rankings to start the season. So a loaded non-conference schedule, just like it's been in the last few years for Gonzaga this season. And then one last minor piece of news is that Kevin Pangos has signed a two-year contract extension to stay in Russia. He's uh, re-signing with his current team of Zenit St. Petersburg, where he had a absolutely fantastic season, led them to the number one overall seed in the VTB United League, played well in the Euro League as well. So he is staying in Russia to play with the uh, with his squad, and they offered him a pretty lucrative two-year contract. So shout out to Kevin Pangos for being one of the best guards in all of Europe. All right, that's enough about basketball. Let's turn our attention to Gonzaga baseball. Greg Talbot is going to join the show next to preview the enormous three-game series going on this weekend. Greg is going to be on the call for all three games for the WCC Network. So we are going to get his thoughts on the matchup and get his thoughts on Gonzaga's hopes for hosting a regional in the NCAA tournament. Before we get to Mr. Talbot, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com all right, let's talk some Gonzaga baseball. They start their massive three-game series tonight with San Diego. Joining the show now is the man calling all three games for the WCC Network this weekend, Greg Talbot. Greg, before we get into just the nitty-gritty in the series itself, you've watched this team in person a bunch this season. Uh, what, what kind of stands out to you the most about this group for, for Gonzaga? Well, it's funny, Steve. So right when I started calling these games, which is when the home game started, right, kind of back in March, you look at the game notes that the sports information director sends out, and I think a lot of people kind of thought coming into this season that Gonzaga was going to be this unbelievable pitching team, which when you look at their starting pitchers and some of their relievers they have been, there is something that's a little bit still somehow overlooked, I think, about just how brutal this lineup is 
is one through seven and and, and occasionally is one through nine. They're the second best hitting team in the WCC, uh, only behind San Diego, who, like you said, they're, of course, playing this weekend. But the games I've called, there have been games where one through three have just been absolutely brutal in the lineup. And then there are games where five through nine were the ones who are bringing in most of the RBIs. Uh, There really is not any let up in this Gonzaga lineup. So I think the, the, the match that people are going to be watching this weekend is Gonzaga's pitching versus San Diego's hitting. But I think San Diego is just as afraid of Gonzaga's lineup as, as vice versa. Speaking of San Diego, they're coming to town pretty much on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. So you know they're coming in here pretty much guns blazing. Gonzaga, in all likelihood, probably needs two wins to host a regional for the first time in school history. So just kind of on a larger level, how excited are you for this series? Well, I'm completely psyched about this series, and that's because I'm psyched for this series for the same reason that you and I get psyched for San Francisco Giants playoff baseball, uh, lifelong fans, both you and I. Same reason anyone gets excited for any kind of baseball, which is implications. Uh, Baseball is so often a sport without daily implications, where most of the games on a macro and micro level don't really matter so much. Uh, This series is incredible. So San Diego's coming into this series two games down in the WCC standings with three games to play. I mean, all Gonzaga has to do is win one game, and they lock this thing up. And San Diego's got to come in and, and win multiple. And the reason I think it's so exciting is because we get the most important game, really, I think, right off the bat. Tonight, Thursday night, is the game where Gonzaga, by far, no question, has their best chance to win this series, sending Alec Jacob out on the mound. And that's because, one, Alec is their best starting pitcher, full stop. He's a big-time contender for the WCC Pitcher of the Year. But also because Gabriel Hughes has not been their Saturday starter since they got back from the COVID pause. He's injured, uh, and he's not going to be able to go, as far as we've been told, in Game 2 on Friday night. And then the final game of the series, you know, Gonzaga last weekend against USF, they went out there and they got blasted in the third game of the series. So I'm super excited because if Gonzaga wins on Thursday... Not only does that lock up the WCC, it also gives us something to talk about the next couple of nights as fans with if they win a couple more, can they host a regional? But if Gonzaga loses on Thursday night, this series is completely up for grabs. It's just going to be drama, drama, drama. So what you're saying is that there is a huge emphasis to win game one because you don't want this thing to come down to the final day, uh, the final two days or even the final day of the season. Well, especially not without Gabe Hughes uh, as, as your game two starter. I mean, it, the, the game two starter the last couple of weeks has been good, but but Hughes is a guy who has gone you know eight innings and given up two hits and struck out a bunch of guys before. Like this series would be different if you had your absolute April number two guy in there for game two of the series. But but if if San Diego can somehow beat Alec Jacob on Thursday, this thing I think is wide open. You mentioned Gonzaga's lineup going up against San Diego's pitching staff. What uh, what can we expect from uh, the Toreros pitchers this weekend? I think, kind of like I said at the top, with so many people are focused on the on the Gonzaga uh, pitching versus San Diego hitting matchup. San Diego's got a great, great pitching rotation. Uh, importantly, I think I texted you this the other day. The guy who they're going to throw out there tonight, he has not taken the official L in a game since February, since his first 
start of the year, he has not gotten the loss. Now, there have been games where the relievers have gotten the loss that he's been the starter in, but he's he's 6-1 and one, just like Alec Jacob, and he does not have an L since February. So, again, Thursday night's going to be wild. As somebody who went to Gonzaga and you just recently moved back to Spokane, how cool would it be to see this team and this city host an NCAA regional for the first time ever? Well, I think it'd be incredible for the same reason that I get, and, and I think a lot of the Gonzaga fan base, man, gets really excited when when non-Gonzaga men's basketball is doing something incredible. I remember back when I was in school, that was kind of the Courtney Vandersloot, you know, golden years of women's basketball, and Kelly Graves was still the coach, and people got really excited about those teams. Uh, and I think my senior year, your sophomore year, uh, that was when Marco Gonzalez, you know, that was the year he got drafted and Gonzaga baseball was doing really well back then, too. I, I think people get so excited about things that aren't exclusively men's basketball because, yes, we are as you know, Spokane people and, more importantly, graduates of the school. We do love the men's basketball team, but I get so excited when non-men's basketball does well because then you get to interact with other parts of the school and you really get to feed the soul and the spirit of feeling like you're part of the Gonzaga community and not just, you know, a men's basketball fan who happened to go to the school. So uh, I think it's going to be a great weekend of baseball out there. I think the crowds are going to be pretty good. I hope that the school and the local news stations did a good enough job kind of promoting this series. The only thing I wish is that the kids were still in school. I wish we still had students there. 100% agreed on all of that. I think it's been really cool to see uh, kind of the Gonzaga Twitter community has been really into Gonzaga baseball and following them um, throughout the last couple of months. So, Greg, I appreciate you coming on the show. Have a great call. Enjoy the three games, and thanks for coming on. Literally anytime, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks again to Greg Talbot for joining us on the show today. He mentioned the pitching matchup tonight, and it is an absolute doozy. It's Alec Jacob, 6-1 and one, with a 3.1 ERA, leads the WCC in strikeouts, going against Jake Miller from San Diego, also 6-1 and one, with a minuscule 2.06 ERA. And like Greg said, he has not lost a game since February. So two of the best pitchers in all of the West Coast Conference going at it tonight, and they have not. Neither team has announced a starter for Friday nor Saturday because absolutely all hands are on deck uh, in these first two games of the series, and especially in game one. If Gonzaga wins one game, they are the WCC champions. San Diego needs a sweep to win the WCC, and in all likelihood, they may need a sweep just to get into the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga needs... One win to win the WCC, two wins to probably clinch a regional hosting site. And if they win all three, they will absolutely host a regional for the first time in school history. You can watch all three games for free, streaming online on the WCC network. Of course, Greg Talbot, like I said, will be on the call. Tonight's game, 6 p.m. on the WCC network. Tomorrow night's game, 6 p.m. on the WCC network. Saturday afternoon, 12 p.m. on the WCC network. And then Sunday is Selection Sunday. Gonzaga will be in the NCAA tournament for the third time in six years, and we will see where they end up, if they host a regional or not, and who the other three teams are in their regional are going to be. Monday on the show, we are going to uh, recap all of that, of course, and kind of break down exactly what is the NCAA tournament in terms of baseball, because it's kind of chaotic. 
And for those that have never watched the NCAA tournament before in baseball, um, I will explain everything and what exactly you're watching for. And of course, tomorrow on the show, we will recap uh, game one of the series. And hopefully, Gonzaga will be raising a WCC trophy tonight. Okay, coming up, back to basketball. We are revealing the 10th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. The top 10 is finally here. And this class has some historical significance and two really solid four-year program guys. So stay tuned for the 10th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. But first, a minute to talk about Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing. The NBA and the NHL are in the playoffs, so it is the perfect time to get in on the fun. And you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts use promo code Locked On. All right, we've made it. It is the top 10. The top 10 recruiting classes of the Mark Few era finally here. And today we will reveal number 10. Just a quick recap again for those that are new and just tuning in. Over the next month, we are counting down from worst recruiting class to the best recruiting class of the Mark Few era. These rankings do include transfers. Those transfers count from the year they entered the program, and the most notable walk-ons are also included. As I've said many times, these are my own personal rankings, and they are a combination of talent and success and what they meant to the program as a whole. Feel free to debate me. I'm always, always up for that debate. We have finally arrived in the top 10, which means, of course, you are going to hear some of the all-time great Gonzaga names and players uh, over these next 10 episodes of the podcast. Yesterday, we talked about one of those greats in J.P. Batista. Today, the 10th ranked recruiting class. Let's get to it. The 10th ranked recruiting class is the class of 2007. And if you remember the class of 2007 off the top of your head, it's probably because Austin Day uh, comes to mind. And Austin Day was part of that class, and he was the first five-star prospect that Gonzaga ever landed. So, of course, this has a significant historical impact um, for several reasons, and one of them is because they landed their first five-star ever in Austin Day. The other three members of that class, Stephen Gray, Robert Sacre, Ira Brown. So really good, of course. It's good. It's in the top 10. A good recruiting class with historical significance, not just because of Austin Day, but let's talk about Stephen Gray and Robert Sacre because those were really the two program guys, the four and five-year guys that transitioned this program from the Adam Morrison era to the Kevin Pangos, Gary Bell era. Uh, And of course, that era is what kind of catapulted Gonzaga into a more elite program. Gonzaga lost in the first round in back-to-back years after Adam Morrison left. Stephen Gray and Austin Day were part of that team in 2009 uh, that went to the Sweet 16, and they have not lost. Gonzaga has not lost a first-round game since then. Stephen Gray, he helped lead the team in scoring uh, his senior season. He was a starter each of his last two years. He started all 68 games that he played in, played right around 32 minutes, averaged just under 14 points a game both seasons. And in that uh, 2011 NCAA tournament, he had 
a team-high 15 points in that WCC title game. And without him, uh, it's very, very possible that Gonzaga could have been sweating out uh, if they were going to make the NCAA tournament in 2011. So um, Stephen Gray really was one of the um, more um, underrated players in the late 2000s just because he was he kind of kept Gonzaga afloat until uh, Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell arrived. Austin Day, five-star prospect. And you can kind of, you know, debate on his motives and his style of play, but he was extremely talented. And the fact that they even landed him was a huge, huge deal at the time. Uh, He played two seasons for Gonzaga before uh, bolting to go play professionally. His sophomore year, he started 33 of his 34 games, averaged 26 minutes, averaged just about 12 and a half points and seven rebounds. He was a good player. He really was. And of course, I've been talking about him uh, about his professional career and how he's been playing in Italy and his semifinal series right now. Uh, he's down two games to nothing, I believe, and that series resumes next week. And then you get to Robert Sacre, and he had a uh, pretty unspectacular freshman year, and then he redshirted. And his final three years on campus, he was uh, a double dif- a double figure scorer, I should say, each of those last three seasons, averaged right around six rebounds a game, and he ended up going to the NBA. He was picked... Uh, I believe with the last pick of the NBA draft in 2012 by the Los Angeles Lakers. And as a Gonzaga Bulldog, he is second all-time in career blocks, and he's third all-time in made free throws. He is, since uh, graduating and since retiring from playing professionally, he has really become an incredible ambassador for the program. Of course, he now has his own podcast uh, with Jack Ferris, the Sack and Jack podcast, and is really just an overall uh, good dude. And then, of course, you get Ira Brown, an absolute dunking machine. And he didn't do a whole lot for Gonzaga. Uh, he played two years before going and playing professionally in Japan, where he has just been tearing it up uh, for his entire career. He's been a double-figure scorer, mostly averaging you know, anywhere between 12 and 15 points uh, over in Japan. But he was not a great Gonzaga player. Um, they didn't play him a whole lot, and of course, that is the namesake of Free Ira Brown is because they wanted him to play more. Um, he, his sophomore year, he played under 10 minutes a game, averaged just under three points, two and a half rebounds, and then he left the program. But his dunks will never be forgotten. There are multiple Ira Brown dunks in a playlist still on YouTube uh, from his time at Gonzaga, and he is a two-time dunk contest winner in 2017 and 18 uh, in Japan. So he also plays for the uh, Japan national team, and he's played with Rui Hachimura before, uh, which has been super, super cool. Just an incredibly athletic team with those two guys on the court. So shout out to Ira Brown, shout out to Robert Sacre, Stephen Gray, Austin Day. The reason I only have them at 10th is because none of those guys were necessarily superstars that transcended the program. Austin Day, obviously a huge impact because he had... Uh, he was the first five-star prospect, like I mentioned, but he didn't necessarily take Gonzaga to new heights. Neither did Stephen Gray or Sacre or Brown. Gray and Sacre kept Gonzaga afloat. So that, I will say, is huge for them. They continued um, their streak of getting to the NCAA tournament, but they didn't necessarily elevate Gonzaga to the next level, which is what, say, the Adam Morrison class did, or Nigel Williams-Goss and Jonathan Williams, or... Uh, Leas Harris and Kelly Olynyk, so a really solid class. Two really good four, five-year program players. The first five-star in history, and an athletic freak in Ira Brown. And I think that's still good enough to be the tenth-ranked class of the Mark Few era. 
Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow is Friday, so you know what that means. It is, of course, another Gonzaga five-star Friday. We'll read another Gonzaga story from a listener, and we will recap tonight's huge game against the San Diego Toreros. And, of course, we'll finish the week with the number nine recruiting class of the Mark Few era down to single digits. Don't forget, you can tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, they are discussing who the best player in the NBA playoffs has been so far. John Morant had a ridiculous performance last night in uh, Memphis's loss to Utah. I'm sure he may be one of those that gets discussed. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave a review with your Gonzaga story. I will read them every Friday on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at escargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. If you want to email the show with your story, please, please do. It is LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.